0: 20, Exodus chapter 20, I feel a little bit like the preacher that, uh, I preached a message very similar to this from this passage, and I will probably preach another message from time to time from this passage of scripture, Exodus chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments. I feel a little bit like the preacher that went up to the pulpit and he preached one Sunday a message and he was a new pastor at the church, and he preached this beautiful message. And They uh, elected and made him pastor. He was a uh, candidate at the church. And the next Sunday he got up and preached the same message. And the next Sunday he got up and preached the same message. And the people in the congregation got together, and they said, you know, I don't know if that's the only one he knows or not. Somebody better tell him he's preaching the same message every Sunday. And uh, the preacher said, Preachers, they so saw, uh, eventually a guy confronted him and and respectfully asked him, you know, do you know you're preaching the same message every Sunday so far? What are you going to preach next week? He says, probably the same message. And he says, well, why? What's going on? He says, well, when you get this one right, we'll move on to the next one. And I don't feel quite that way, but I'm just, I always think of that when I go over the same text. But, you know, we can look at this several different ways. And today we're going to look at Exodus chapter 21 through 17. We might not get completely through it. In fact, I plan on this evening, if the Lord's willing, to preach the second half of this uh, message, which is the commandments to us as individuals. The first part of this message is verses 1 through 8. The first four commandments deal with God. And it collates with Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. You stay there at Exodus, and I want you to look at that as you skim through it and re- maybe mark in your Bible uh, verse 3 is the first commandment, uh, verse 5 is the next second commandment, verse 7 is the third commandment, verse 8 is the fourth commandment, and the rest of the commandments, 9, And uh, on down, we'll look at probably this evening. But the first commandments deal with Matthew 22 verses 36 through through uh, 40. Excuse me, 36 through 40. I'll go there and read that, and you'll see the collation. See, there was a lawyer that come to Jesus Christ one day while Christ was walking on this earth, and he says, "You know, we're we're Hebrews and we follow the law, and I'm a lawyer. I'm a student of the law, and I." I practice the law the best of my ability and I'm a good example to my community but I want to know what's the most important commandment Now he was referring to these commandments as well as the whole Hebrew culture which has its own set of commandments uh, oral commandments so to speak, their Torah and they uh, he he was the one who governed that and that would be a lot like us we have the Ten Commandments which basically made up our fundamental law of the land. And you'll find that Ten Commandments uh, in any culture, you'll find at least a basic law of the land in any culture, and if it's a, got any kind of godly recognition to the proper God, it will reflect be reflected in something very similar to our Ten Commandments. I mean, murder is murder around the world in... Uh, Evil is evil around the world, and so uh, the uh, the society itself will tell you that a culture uh, uh, a culture has to exist with some moral integrity. Otherwise, people run over each other, and there's an example of that in Scripture. The Philistines did not have a central moral compass. They didn't have a central God. They didn't have central morality. Each man did what he thought was good in his own eyes. And the Philistines went extinct. They were very dominant world power. They invented metal, the metallology, the metallurlogy, whatever. They worked metal. In fact, the Hebrews bought nails from them and weapons and went there to get things sharpened. And they should have ruled the world for thousands of years. Instead, they faded off because each man did what was right in his own eyes. And they didn't have a central morality based around a set of commands, law of the land, so to speak. And so as we look at that, this lawyer comes to Jesus Christ and says, which is the greatest command? Matthew 20, and I'll I'll read it to you. You can stay there and take a look at Exodus and mark that down. Matthew chapter 22, I'll i I'll get there. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Uh, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him, this is Jesus Christ, a question, tempting him and saying, hey, we got thousands of commands and rules and you know, tie your dog up in the backyard and feed him in the backyard, not in the front yard. That's one of the commands in this town. <laughs> so the bear, so you know what you're actually doing when you tie him up in the backyard of the church here. You're, you're, you're trolling for bear, black bears. <laughs> then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So you go back there to Exodus chapter uh, 20, and you'll see that the first four commandments are how to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul. Boy, and that's a pretty big order. And God doesn't ask us to do much, really. He just wants you to keep him in mind with your heart, mind, and soul. He wants you to put him in perspective, and his perspective is the forefront of your heart, mind, and soul. How do I accomplish that? Well, the the first four commandments will tell you how to accomplish that. First four commandments. And then the rest, love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, you know, we get pretty hung up on ourselves, and the word narcissism comes around a lot, especially when they're talking about politicians lately. Narcissistic means to love yourself. We all have a certain affection towards ourselves; otherwise, we would uh, we would uh, not be very self-preserving. And so, uh, uh, the last commandments, the last bunch of commandments, verses oh, uh, nine, uh, the seventh, uh, four, and six, from twelve down, tell you how to get along with your neighbor. Because, you know, I don't really love myself that much. My wife lets me know when I get out of line with that because it reflects on my attitude towards her and everyone else. So he gives us instructions about that. We'll look at that this evening, Lord willing. Let's go to the first four commandments to uh, find out how to love God. Uh, the first four have to do with our maker. The last six have to do with ourselves. The best moral code for Western civilization. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord God which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt make unto me three thee any graven image. Thou shalt not make unto me any graven image. We'll get to that in a minute. But the first thing the Lord brings out in these things is he says, I am the Lord God, which have brought thee out of the Egypt. You know, usually when we get a command from the top down, the boss. When I was a young kid, I worked for a guy, and he says, You know, I pay you pretty well, and I'd like you to do this. That's a nice command. (laughs) He's reminding you of your position with Him, and that He is actually looking out for the best of you. And Jesus Christ, when He commands us that He's the number one, should be number one in our lives, He's actually trying to remind us that we're not slaves anymore to the world. We don't have to ultimately answer to the Supreme Court. We have a Supreme Court up in heaven that we'll answer to one day when we die. We'll stand before our Maker and Creator, and have an intercessor, both the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ at our right and left hand, and they will intercede for us at that court, and they have our best interest in mind. But in the meantime, he says, he gives us command how to fulfill what's expected of us as Christians, to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, mind, and soul. And that first one is represented, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Well, you know, we don't go around and worship a whole lot of other gods. They're not real popular here in America. So you do find statues here and there. You do find in the society we're in and in, in the permissiveness we're allowing now, we're finding other gods popping up. But that's not what, actually what he's talking about here. He's thinking anything you put before him becomes a god. The fancy car, the beautiful house, the wonderful things you enjoy. All have a per, per, precedent if they have precedence in your life over God. Now, how does that take place? How does that precedence take place? Well, you know, I can't skip working. I got to work three days. I got to work seven days a week because uh, I want to pay for that new yacht I got out there in the harbor. Boy, there's a fancy one sitting out and catch a can too. Really fancy. Somebody works seven days a week for that thing. Somebody had. That thing takes place. What's your God? What's your God? You put something ahead of God, you have put a God ahead of him. What you live for, what you value, what you love, and we throw that word around, I realize there's a couple different forms of the word love, but I always cringe when I have somebody tell me they love their dog. I dealt with horses, and you'll hear a couple illustrations probably with horses. On Sunday morning, The reason I quit going to horse shows and or judging horse shows on Sunday morning, this verse here, no other gods before me. And you read on, we're going to find out that God wants us in church on Sunday. He wants to rest on Sunday. He wants us to keep that day holy. And here these people come praying out with these animals in the halter class, they call it. And all it is is appraising each animal and how great it looks. And they stand there and thousands of dollars runs on first price place And they cheat, lie, and steal to get them. And they groom them for hours and and baby them for days and months, and feed them the best. And they bring them out there. And look at me. It's Sunday morning, and I'm standing here with the created rather than the creator. And the Lord convicted me so bad, I make good money judging horse shows. He says, "I'm not judging them on Sunday. I'm going to go to church." and worship my God on Sunday. Those people are worshiping their gods on Sunday. I've been in some of their houses. Some of their houses were barer than this church. I've been in a house, they showed every Sunday. they marked it down, they were gone all Sunday. They went to the finals, the nationals, had big travel home trailer, just like the missionaries, some of them. Big fancy trucks. Walked in their house one time, because mom and dad were gone to the attorneys, and oldest daughter, she was... Much older, uh, she was about 17, 18. She made the mistake of inviting me in to wash my hands because he didn't have any water in the barn. And when I walked in the house, went to the utility room, washed my hands, she made out the bill and paid me. I just took one quick look around. I'm never embarrassed about someone's house, but I was embarrassed for them because they had thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars tied up in their livestock and thousands and thousands of dollars on. They had the fanciest lawn chairs. They had the outside air conditioners. You ever see an outside air conditioner? Blow, it's like a fan. It blows cold air on you. Cooler. They had all that stuff. They sat around drinking martinis while their kids showed the horse. Inside their house, they had lawn chairs and a card table for their table. Paper plates. You go in the living room. Later on, I was asking one more time, and go in the living room. They had one old beat-up couch that they must have picked up on garbage pickup day. Not one picture on the wall. The carpet needed to be replaced. The carpet looked like our carpet. (laughs) But on the outside, what people seen was immaculate, was the best. What did they live for? What do you live for? What do you sacrifice every day for? Where do you? I know wonderful Christian families that have a good home and they go to church when they don't work. And they wonder why their kids are screwed up. Because they never miss a day of work. They never miss a day of work. If the boss says we're going to work on Sunday, fine, I'm in line. Hi. So uh, what do you put first in your life? A lot of us put work in our lives first because that's what gives us worth. Really, when you think about it, you gotta, we tell our kids, grow up and get a job. Be something. Make something of yourself. Boy, I've eaten those words. I've eaten those words. I've spoken many times. And it goes back. On, all you're telling them is, the most important thing in your life is you being somebody at work. I wish I would have said the most important thing in your life is you being somebody with God.. Amen. And I'm not saying I'm not against people working. we all have to. And don't you think God understood that, that we all have to? He just wanted you to get your priorities lined up and the whole world to go smoother. I'm praying every day for a young man we used to keep at our, at our ranch. He'd come out every summer while his mom and dad were at work. And they can't figure out to this day why he's just a loner and doesn't do anything and he doesn't work. He hates work. Because he's seen his mom and dad live for work. I'm just trying to get us to put our priorities straight. God says the lilies of the valley don't have... Any care, but yet they dress better than the the king. Each one of us need to put a little time aside for God so that he can bless us. Otherwise, we're sitting there. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. The next commandment. Thou shalt make unto thee any graven image or likeness of anything that is in heaven. I think of the horses. That is in the earth beneath, and that is in the water under the earth. Salmon, this big, that fat, what I live for. Oh, that's tough. Lumberjacks, <laughs> the big trees. I mean, you could just, and you don't do it intentionally, some of us. And I'm not saying, I don't have anybody in mind right here except Brother White. No, I'm just teasing him. <laughs> I know he can handle it. I know Brother White can handle it. I love him. Uh, I pray for you every day too, brother. And we need, to, uh, we need to check our priorities. But you can see it real plain in the worldly people, how they cheat, lie, and steal. I walked around a barn one day, and here's a $20,000 horse, and this was in the 80s. There's a $20,000 horse with a tube running into his jugular vein on his neck, and the guy draining the blood out of the horse into a bucket. And what morbid junk is this? They had to drain the blood out of him so that the horse was calm enough to get in the show ring. Make him anemic. You want to know something about the richest man in the world? The richest man in the world is George Soros. There's a couple others that are as rich as him, but they won't let you know who they are. But one of the richest men is is George Soros. Do you know how he lives every day? He's 80, what, 90-some years old? Looks like an old, wrinkled-up, prune and just as ugly as the devil. And one of the reasons he's that way is he was a Jew that turned in all his relatives for the reward through the Nazi era. And you know how how he lives from day to day? He goes in at least once a week and has a complete blood transfusion from some young child. He has volunteers. He pays them to wait in line to give him blood. You know who else does that? I don't know how often, but I know he does it. The President of the United States has blood transfusions from his, what do they call them when you work for the, you don't have to worry about him molesting them. He, he uses their blood. The pages, they have a volunteer and they give blood. He doesn't go through a complete blood transfusion, but he does. Know that for a fact. I'm not lying to you, I'm not making up a story. George Soros does that. What? Who is he living for? He loves his neighbor as himself. No, he makes his money on the corruption. He loves to see things fall, and then he invests in them. And then, when you and I labor to build the country back up, he makes his money. He buys out complete countries almost. He's seen it, seen it happen in Germany. Patterns his whole life after that. The guy's going to be dead pretty soon. It'll help a whole lot of people. No, he's got hirelings that'll perpetuate his lifestyle, perpetuate for his lifestyle, they'll perpetuate everything he does. Yeah, on Okay, that is where you make yourself above God. God says, keep him as the ultimate person. Amen. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord God, am a jealous God, vesting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. The first commandment's got a... Uh, uh, the second commandment's got a curse to it. If you go by the... The poor man's doomed. He's got children. Nobody knows how many. Nobody knows who. He's generated them and sired them, some of them artificially. But he's the richest man in the world. Never missed a day of work in his life. What did he put first and foremost? Himself. Isn't that what the world lectures you about? You know, you got to look out for you. you got to look out. Nobody else is going to look out for you. No, God's going to look out for you if you put him first. He wants to. Otherwise, it's, if you put yourself first, you're dooming not only you, any offsprings you have. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Curse and a blessing. You want God's mercy? You want God's blessings? Do your best to keep his commandments. Now, you're not going to fool him, and we're not going to fool ourselves. None of us are perfect. The only one perfect, they killed. But each one of us have to make the effort and try to put God first in our lives. Amen. And he'll bless you. I just wish I could take those, some, of the, some people and say, hey, listen, make God first and things are going to get better. Make God first and things will get better. Thou shalt not take the name, number three, the third commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold them guiltless, that take His name in vain, and you know you've heard me pick on those in authority over us on how they're. It's starting to. I can. I, can, I get offended listening to the news, because President of the United States, my God, man. Taking God's name in vain means vain means without without any priority. And you take. Okay, just imagine your boss is around. I had a boss one time. I can't think Chuck was his name. He was a nice man. He was a good man. He walked around whistling all the time. And I says, how come... I worked in a tire shop, and I was in in the warehouse. And uh, Chuck would come in there, and he'd be, I can't whistle. And he'd be whistling away. I go, why does he whistle like that to some of the guys? So we all know he's in the tire shop. We better get busy. (laughs) Now, we could... We could walk around. If somebody else seen them, they'd walk around whistling. So we all knew the boss was around. I, I one time went looking for Chuck because I needed some help with where to stack these tires. I was just a kid in high school. I didn't go around going, "Hey Chuck, hey Chuck, oh oh Chuck," try that with your boss sometime. Just start talking his name. You want to get it? Let's say your boss's name is Fred. Hey, Fred, Fred, you'll get his attention. But you start using God's name in vain. What are you doing? Is he first in your life? Is he the boss supreme? And you're going to go around, God. I don't even want to say it right now. Use his name in vain. He looks at you, figures out what's going on, and you've just announced to him that you think that termite on the floor is more dangerous than anything else in the world. God, it's going to kill me. You just called his attention to nothing because he hears you and he looks. I tell you the story, and I've told it a few times. Went 160 feet in the air and landed in a 56 Chevy and rolled pot over tea kettle, not a wheel left on the vehicle, broke my wife's hip, laid in the hospital. All. The last thing I said, the only thing, fell through the windshield on one flip and then fell back into the vehicle when it rolled over again. <laughs> the only thing and the reason I'm alive and she's alive today is the only thing I could get out as we went over that embankment was, my God, and I was praying. You get in some places where you have to worry about life and limb, you might not only get that far, my God, he's got your attention. If he knows, you're not talking in vain. You know the old Aesop fable where you walk around, fire, fire, wolf, wolf, you know? Call the boss's name. See how often he comes to you. Jesus Christ took his people out of Egypt. He wants to rescue you. He's there to help you. He's always there to be a blessing to you if you know how to handle him, and that's with respect. We'll learn a little more about that in the other commandment about, uh, about people getting along with people. But, back to the word, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh the name in vain. I was in a service for a long time. Well, a long time, forever it was, three whole years. It was the most miserable time <laughs> of my life. As U.S. Army wrestling team for a while. As an airborne ranger, I've been around guys. I worked as a prison guard. I've been around people that were as manly as you can be and as vile as you can be. By the world's standards, they were men, either good or bad. And I had an officer come to me one time, invited me to church. I says, why did you do that? He says, you don't swear. I haven't heard you talk like some of the other guys. I've had guys walk up to me in prison and go, and don't—I can tell you—the last time I swore, it wasn't that long ago. But I really try not to swear, and I—I I will not use God's name in vain. I pray and hope I'm not tempted to do that again. But uh, guys in prison say, "You don't talk like everybody else here, but you carry a pretty big stick." Well, what's your secret? He says, "I got God on my side." That's all you need. That's all you need. You don't need to use his name in vain. Okay, you've got to hold him first in your life. And sometimes that's just a matter of I will not work on Sunday. I will not use his name on va- in vain. I will not do, you know. And we can go to the verse, and I'll give it to you. It's in Luke. If your ass is in the ditch or your ox is in the ditch, you get it out. Now, I'm not talking to the poor policeman, and I was one that had a shift on Sunday. But that then I I had a shift on Sunday, and I'd trot to church Sunday night because I noticed most shifts aren't 10 hours long. Now, sometimes it could be. Sometimes you can't help it. Sometimes there's an emergency. We had a fella in the last church who was at, a good man, and he was an emergency technician. The one Sunday he got to show up at church, we had a lady pass out in the aisle. <laughs> So you there are some exceptions and some things, but God knows. He knows. He knows if you're fishing or if you're working. And He knows if you have to work or you don't work. Don't have to. It's it's between you and God. But I'm just I'm just trying to warn you. Ten Commandments is basic as the days long. We talked about blue laws on Wednesday. Anybody know what blue laws are? That's when everything's closed on Sunday. This town's about two-thirds that way, except the harbor. <laughs> and that's only this time of year. But whatever happened to that, where everybody held a little reverence for God? I worked the racetracks. tracks. biggest race days are Saturday and Sunday. Where were you Sunday? I go to church. Oh, uh, can you uh, shoe my horse? Not on Sunday. I'll be out Monday. I'll go up to your farm on Monday. Oh, good, you can do the whole herd then. And I said, well, what if I have any problem with them throwing a shoe on Saturday? Because they get the preliminaries Saturday, Sunday they run the finals. I says, my shoes don't come off. And if they do, have a heathen put them on. <laughs> I got more work because they knew I wasn't throwing the races. Get, I, I didn't know exactly all that. And one guy says, I feel real good about you shoeing my horses on Friday, Saturday. He says, because, you know, when the bets get heavy, I got to watch the farrier because I'm worried about him pounding a nail in the wrong way and soaring up the horse so he can bet against it. That's happened I got more work at the tracks they 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 knew I wouldn't be there on Sunday pretty soon the track the you pay you pay money to get on the tracks if you're a ferrier you got to pay to get a booth and, and it's real com- complicated but you actually got to pay to be there a lot of times they they asked me they they asked me for money I said well I don't really need the money to come work on the tracks on Saturday, Friday through the week they said well we'll give you a job well, they said, why? And I said, because I'm not going to be here Sunday. And they go, why? I'm going to church. I don't work on Sunday. So I'm only renting a booth for six days a week, technically. And they says, can you uh, take and do security for us? Go, why what well, makes you think I'm going to do security? Well, you sound pretty honest. You sound pretty honest. People know. People know. Now, uh, you can get counted on God blessed it. And at that time in my life, he was working me to the position where I could stand before anybody and say, no, I'm not working on Sunday. He made me independent enough. Then he worked me into handling a bunch of people that are as independent as me, and that's use. Amen. But yield to him, and he'll shape you and bless you. Now, again, the exception, and God knows that, is if you have to work on Sunday. you know. But uh, you'll be surprised what you have to do and what you don't have to do. <laughs> uh, you make it to what you have to. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. There's the command. Nothing wrong going fishing on Sunday afternoon. He'll come back in Sunday night you go out there and you beat your you beat yourself up trying to catch the biggest fish in the world and God says I got him waiting for you he's going to be there Monday yeah. i got the big guy the big tourist that's coming in and he's going to tip you big time but he wants to go fishing on Sunday no the fish are going to be there Monday yeah. god will bless you he'll take care of it he'll make up for it I can't. I could tell you stories about people that told me, you know, I just, I just couldn't do this on Sunday. I, and I got there, and the whole, the place blew up. Dust, a dust uh, mill, a dust uh, in Kansas. They had a big explosion when dust catches on fire. And it was a mill. They wanted us to work Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Catch up. You know, because it's a big harvest. It's almost like the world's ended because you've got to get the money in now. No, that's not an emergency in God's eyes because what are you putting ahead of him? Money. The mill blew up on Sunday afternoon, the dust. Ignites, static electricity, catches on fire, spontaneous combustion, and the whole thing flashed like lightning hit it, and six men died. wasn't the one I worked at. wasn't Baymore. It all took place on a Sunday afternoon. They found out that if you let a machine run 24-7, which we all do, you know, our furnace or whatever, uh, if you shut it down for 12 hours out of so many hours, how many hours in a week, 78 or whatever it is, you shut it down for 12 hours, it'll last almost a third longer if they could rig your refrigerator up to where it shuts down anything the parts get magnetized the things the things wear you're that way too you work 7 days a week you wear down your judgment gets slower your re- reflexes <laughs> reflexes get slower even if you're i was with the olympic team practice Oh, we got to practice seven, three, four times a day, seven days a week. The best athletes, they don't do anything on one or two days a week. They give their body a chance to recover. Circulation pick back up. Normal systems take back into place. I have Barrett's esophagus because when I was young, I didn't listen to that. And I sucked there and worked hard most of my life. That's why I went in this week Good report from Doc. He's not here. Low blood pressure. 136 over 82. But Doc says you work like a horse. That's why you got Barrett's esophagus. You suck air. You work hard. Your uh, adrenaline picks up. Your circulation skyrockets. And then when you're done, if you do that continually, you develop low blood pressure. Praise the Lord, though. I'd rather have low blood pressure than the other way. And before, when I got here, they were diagnosing me with high blood pressure. And it took somebody who was an airborne medic to know what an airborne ranger was like. And he told me, he says, you guys run around, run five miles, come into my office, smoke a pack of cigarettes, and have have your blood pressure just flat. He says, didn't they tell you when you turned 60 you'd have problems with it? I says, no. Well, he said, I, this is Doc. He's not here right now. But I, he said, I'm telling you right now. That's your problem. Took me off all the blood pressure meds. I'm great. That's been going on for, this was a year now. It's been good. So what did I do? Make sure I take a day of rest. Make sure I listen to God and put him first in my life because uh, he'll even lighten the consequences from not doing that. I don't know if you followed all this with the personal illustrations and stuff. I don't mean to cloud the waters. But I want this to come home to you, each and every one of us. We need to make God, let's all stand.